Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hey, everybody. I hope you're ready for the Word. Today we're going to talk about living the blessed life, living the blessed life. Let's just pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand your word, that we would be able to walk in the way you want and not live in fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Oftentimes we think that the laws of sowing and reaping only have to do with finances. But as we look at the scriptures, we see that the laws of sowing and reaping have to do with every aspect of our life. And today I want to motivate you to use your time, your treasures, and your talent to follow God and to live a full life. Uh, I remember hearing Miles Monroe once say that when he went to a grave uh, and a cemetery, he was able to note that here was where all the potential in the world was. And what he was saying basically is people died without releasing the fullness of their gifts. They were not stewards of their life. And his point was to die empty. Don't die with a book in your heart. Don't die without speaking to the people you're supposed to speak to. Don't die without writing that song, without doing the things that God has called you to do. And so, as we look at cemeteries, it's filled with people who never fulfill their calling, who wasted their life, their time, their treasure, and their talents. And my objective today is to motivate everybody not to do that. And so, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I a hoarder or a giver? Hoarders are people who are afraid They have a spirit of lack. They have a poverty mentality. It causes them not to release their time, their treasures, and their talent. Another question I could ask myself is, do I operate in fear or faith when it comes to God's provision? And God's provision, again, is not just finances. God's provision of time, of energy, of abilities. Am I afraid that I will not have the capacity to do what God has called me to do? So you could have a poverty mentality when it comes to your capacity, your time, and your energy, not just your finances. Another question we could ask ourselves is, is there much more I could give of myself regarding my time, talent, and treasures to advance the kingdom, or am I holding anything back from God? In Matthew chapter 25, we're not going to read the whole passage here. We're going to start at verse 24. In the context, Jesus was talking about a man who received ten talents, another man who received five, and the man who received ten talents produced another ten talents. And the master said, come enter the joy of the Lord, you faithful servant. The one who had five talents produced another five. And the master said, come, enter the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful with a little bit, and I will give you great things now. But 
We're going to pick up in verse 24. But he who received one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Notice that word, I was afraid. He was afraid. He didn't do anything with that talent. He hoarded it. He kept it in the ground. And here is what is yours. So the master answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So if he had just put it in the bank, he would have got interest instead of putting it in the ground. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Wow, what a controversial passage that would be today in the land of egalitarianism and socialism. Uh, and so we see here how God said, that he expects us to do something with our talent. He expects us to produce. He expects us to generate more. And in this particular passage, he's talking about income. And he says something powerful that he is going to take from the lazy person, from the person who doesn't want to work, the person who doesn't want to invest their time, talent, and treasures, from the person who doesn't want to do anything with the gifts God has given him, and he's going to take that assignment and he's going to give it to somebody that he knows that he could trust with that work that is needed to be done. So he actually took from the guy who only had one talent. He didn't give it to the guy who had five talents. He gave it to the guy who had 10 talents and produced another 10 because he wants to make sure the job is done. And so this is how God operates. This is God's character. He is going to bless those who invest their time, who invest their talent, who invest their, invest their treasures. I'm going to keep saying that. He's not going to bless those who hold back. He's not going to bless those who hoard. He's not going to bless those who operate in fear, who operate with a poverty mentality. You need to break that poverty mentality. You need to not allow that poverty mentality to take hold of your life because it's a curse in your life. It will limit you. And most importantly, it'll limit the way God wants to bless you because we need to trust that he is our provision. He is our provider and not anything else and not our money. Even though we even save money in a bank, people I've heard of banks have gone out of business. People have lost their businesses. Our trust cannot be in the U.S. government, can't be in our unions, can't be in our Social Security. It can't be in our pensions. It can't be in our 501 or 401k. It can't be in our savings. It can't be in our own intuition and ingenuity. At the end of the day, it has to be God that we trust. And if we really trust him, we won't hoard, we won't operate in poverty because God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so, when we think about this passage, it reminds us how Jesus does not have sympathy for the one who refused to invest his talent because of fear. God expects us to live to advance his kingdom. Now, 
We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6, about the laws of sowing and reaping. Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, he's talking about money there, but if you only invest a small amount of time in a person, you're only going to reap a small amount. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's like farming. If you only put a few seeds in the ground, you're not going to get a great harvest. That's how life is. That's how finances operate. That's how love operates. If you only show somebody a little bit of love, you might get a little bit of love back. If you only spend a little bit of time with your children, when you get older and you need them, they may not spend much time with you. They may just discard you, unfortunately. That's what happens so many times. Uh, and so whatever we sow, we're going to reap in this world. And then when it comes to finances, he says here, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It can't be because a pastor commands you to give. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we're generous. He loves it when we give of our time, treasure, and talent. He loves it when we pour of ourselves out to others. Why? Because that's how he is. God so loved the world that he gave. The greatest expression of love is giving of yourself, giving of your time, your talent, and your money, your treasures. But where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so wherever you put your money, that's where your heart is. And so God loves a cheerful giver because we're acting like God. We're supposed to be Christ-like, not just in humility, not just in patience, not just in healing the sick, not just in proclaiming the gospel, but more than anything else, Jesus said, I laid down my life for the sheep. If we're going to be like Jesus, we're not going to die full. We're going to die empty. We're going to give a whole life out to other people. God loves a cheerful giver because they're acting like God who gave his best, his only begotten son. And it says in 2 Corinthians 9, and God is able, after you sow, in other words, God is able to make all grace abound to you. Grace in this context is money. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And we go further on in the text. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says, He who supplies seed to the sower, I believe it's verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So it's interesting. It says he provides seed to the sower, meaning if you're not sowing, if you're not giving, guess what? God's not going to give you more seed. Why should he give you more seed? Because he can't trust you to sow it. But he not only sows seed or supplies seed, that's supernatural provision to the sower, but he also supplies bread for food. If you sow bread in the ground, you're not going to get loaves of bread. Bread is what you're supposed to use to provide for your family. If you eat most seeds, it's not going to taste good. It's going to taste bitter. Why? Because it's not supposed to be eaten. And so you have to know what is your seed that you're supposed to give. When it comes to finances, God tells us to give at least 10%. That's our tithe. Then anything above that is an offering. But we also have to give of ourselves, have schedules and boundaries to spend time with God, spend time with our family, spend time with ministry and job and all these things. These are things we're supposed to sow into other people. 
And we're supposed to know what our obligations are. And once we sow and we do that, then there'll be sufficient bread. It tells us in one of the epistles, I think it's uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, that he who refuses to work should not be able to eat. In other words, Paul was telling the church, don't let this guy uh, have benevolent offerings. Don't feed him if he doesn't want to work. Uh, why? He's violating the law of sowing and reaping. So the Old Testament, we find in the book of Leviticus how God provided for the poor. He never just gave them handouts. They had to glean behind those who were uh, harvesting the wheat. And whatever wheat they did not pick up, the poor people would come and pick it up. And God commanded them to leave that to the poor. And that was a way of providing for them but it was workfare, not welfare. God never gave anybody something for nothing unless it was his grace, which we can't deserve through the blood of Christ. But when it comes to the way we operate and function on the earth, we all have to work and we have to sow in order to reap. And so if you have sown sufficiently throughout your life, then yeah, there could be a time you could retire from work, never retire from God because you have enough bread that has accumulated because of all the seed you've sown, you've reaped a great harvest. And so he says he supplies seed to the sower. What is the opposite of that? If you don't sow, he's not going to supply seed. You have to know what is your seed and what is your bread. There are certain things you're not supposed to give. Why? If you give of all your time, let's say, to someone ministering, uh, you're ministering to somebody, but you don't have enough time to spend with your children and spend time with your wife or spend time praying and seeking God, then you're actually giving that person all your bread. That bread is supposed to be what you use for your own provision. So we have to know what is our bread. I'm not supposed to give all my money to the church. Because how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay certain things? Unless God gives me a word, and he might say, well, now your whole salary or maybe your house or your car, whatever it is, I want you to sow it. Well, instantly, all of that becomes my seed. Even though in the natural, I'm saying, well, wait, that's more than my tithe. So by God's command, he makes certain things seed. But when we trust God and we sow something, that normally would be our bread. When we sow that, then we reap abundantly. Uh, that's what Jesus said. Nobody who has given up a house or land or anything uh, in this life will go without being blessed a multitude of ways, a manifold ways. He said you will be blessed a hundredfold somehow in this life along with persecution. And so whatever we sow to God, as long as it is in uh, direct proportion to what God is saying to us, especially when it comes to what is already commanded in the Word, then you don't have to worry about provision because it will come. So he supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. I don't want to sow my bread because then I won't have food. I don't want to eat my seed because I won't have a future harvest. And so he supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, and that will supply and multiply my seed. 
and increase the harvest of my righteousness. Here in the context of this passage, harvest of righteousness has to do with more money to be able to constantly sow. That's the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. He said, you will be enriched in every way, not just financially, to be generous in every way. In other words, God blesses you so you can continue to be generous. The difference between this and the erroneous prosperity gospel is they teach you to give so you could be blessed personally, where the focus in God's kingdom is you give so that you can be generous to bless others. The focus is not you getting blessed. The focus is on God increasing your capacity so that you could be a blessing to others and bless his kingdom so that many people will give praise to God. So our motivation for giving should not be so that we could have a comfortable life or we could have affluence or so we could have a better house. Our motivation should be to extend his kingdom, as he says in Deuteronomy 8.18, I've given you power to create wealth so you can confirm my covenant in the earth. It's always about spreading the gospel, extending his kingdom. That's why he said, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all these other things that you seek after, I'll give to you anyway. So if you put first his kingdom with your finances, with your time and your talents, everything you need will be given even if you don't pray for it. Isn't that powerful? That's profound stuff here. And so we will be enriched in every way. Why? So we could be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Meaning if we sow what we're supposed to sow, the result is God gets the glory. And that's the most important thing in our life. When we look at Philippians chapter 4, it's very profound as well. We're going to jump to Philippians chapter 4 around verse 14. Uh, Paul says, and you Philippians also know that in the beginning of the gospel, when he first started planting the church, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in regards to giving and receiving except you only. Paul had such a revelation of the law of sowing and reaping when it came to finances that he didn't even say that it was an offering. He said they entered into partnership with him, meaning they supported him financially. We see that they had a partnership with Paul. Philippians chapter 1, I think it was verse 5, I thank God for your partnership in the gospel had to do with financial contributions from that church so he could do his missionary journeys. And he had such a revelation of the law of sowing and reaping that here he called it giving and receiving, meaning whenever you give, it's never just giving. It may leave your hand and go into something like a push pay or a PayPal. It may leave your bank account, but it'll never leave your life because you will always reap according to how you've sown. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Galatians 6, verse 7. In other words, if you do not reap commensurate to what you've sown, then God is being mocked. Just like the law of nature. I, I, you know, the way a farmer knows he'll get a harvest in proportion to what he's sown, 
uh, how much work he put into sowing and plowing the ground, and he has an idea how much he's going to get. Well, in a, when it comes to the return supernaturally from God, I can't tell you how he'll bless you. Sometimes you could sow money, but he won't bless you back with money. He may bless you back with gifts in kind or other things. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how, but he does tell us that generous life becomes a blessed life. It is more blessed, Paul says in Acts chapter 20, to give than it is to receive. And he was quoting Jesus, even though we don't have that exact quote in one of the four Gospels, we know that that was one of the traditions handed down to him as a saying of Christ. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And of course, Jesus modeled that might have been what Paul's referring to there, not a specific quote, but Jesus modeled that saying. He said, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, his time, treasure, talents, his life, everything, as a ransom for many. That's Matthew 20, 28. And so, as we look at this, Paul said, that when they gave, they were also receiving. No church entered into partnership with me in regards to giving and receiving because he knew that God was going to supply their need. He knew that they were going to reap what they sowed. He said, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. That was a new church Paul was planning after he planted the church of Philippi. That's Acts 16 is the church of Philippi. Then we see the next chapter, 17, when he planted the church in Thessalonica. So evidently the church that was started in Lydia's house in Philippi and also the Philippian jailer got saved. It was the beginning of the gospel going to Western Europe. In the very next chapter, we see how he planted a church in Thessalonica. Well, the Philippian church was the ones that supported him financially so he could make that trip and plant that church. And Paul said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your account. Meaning, as he was supplied the needs, God was increasing the heavenly account of the Philippian church. He said, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent, which is a fragrant, fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wow. So after Epaphrodites brought the gift, Paul called it a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, mimicking the Old Testament uh, sacrifices, the five sacri animal sacrifices, and God said it's a, an aroma to my nostrils. And now we don't sacrifice animals, but we give the sacrifice of praise, which is well-pleasing to God. But also when we give financially, when we give of our time and our talents, it is a fragrant, fra fragrance to God. It is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. He loves it. He loves a cheerful giver. And then he gives them that amazing promise to that Philippian church for supporting the gospel with their finances. He said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to the United States government. No. According to the inheritance you're going to get. No. 
according to how hard you work. Not here. He said, he's going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Meaning, there's an infinite supply by which we draw from in heaven. God could bless us as much as he wants. He doesn't have to print currency. He's not a counterfeiter. He's not an inflator. He has an infinite supply. It's riches in glory. He says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. All the earth is mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. There's an infinite supply that we draw from when we live a life of generosity, when we live the blessed life of sowing our time, treasure, and talents. I pray that God makes you generous. I pray that you begin obeying him in the simple things like giving your tithe and offering, but in sowing your life. Don't just give to the Lord financially. Give of yourselves, your whole life, unto the Lord. And that is what pleases him. And so as we close, have you committed yourself to giving God what he desires? We start off with the basics, the tithes and the offering. We start off with spending time in the word and prayer every day. We start off with sowing our life to him. Are we volunteering and helping when we have needs in the church, whether it's the nursery or the ushers ministry or shepherding or making phone calls? Are we sowing our life or are we more guarded and concerned about our precious time so we can watch our favorite movie and TV? There are people who are addicted to shows on Netflix and they spend so much time watching these shows or playing these video games. And they, when you ask them if they have time to help and serve and volunteer in the church, oh, I don't have any time. I, I have me time. I'm in my man cave. I need alone time. Everybody needs me time, but is it, is, it, is it excessive time? Because at a certain point, you won't even get fed anymore from the Word of God if you're not putting it into practice. Knowledge you don't use, you lose. Jesus said in John chapter 4 to the disciples who went to get him meat, Jesus said, I want to eat now. He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. He was just witnessing to the woman at the well. The only way you're going to get fed is if you're putting into practice the Word of God, if you're ministering and giving of yourself. Here it is again, your time, your treasure, and talents, sowing that, investing that into the church and into the life of the kingdom and the people God has called you to minister to. Let's pray as we think of prayer points today, we have to ask ourselves the question, have we commit ourse committed ourselves to giving our finances to God? Are we operating in faith or fear? And finally, do we want to die empty or do we want to die with potential? The worst thing anyone could ever say to an 80-year-old man or the worst thing anyone could ever say at someone's funeral is he or she had a lot of potential. 
I don't want anyone to say that at my funeral. I don't want to die with one book in my spirit, one person I was supposed to meet, or one dime in my bank account that I wasn't supposed to give away. I want to die empty. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would live that life, that blessed life. As Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. We break every power of hell. We break every spirit of poverty, every spirit of self-focus, every spirit of hoarding, every spirit of fear that causes people to save, 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 and hoard their precious time, their talent, and their treasures to the point at which they don't have hardly anything to give out. And they're sowing a minuscule amount of their time, treasure, and talents. And then they complain because they're only reaping a little bit. So, Father, we pray that this church will be a church of generosity, a church of people that will die empty, a, a generous church. Let this be called the most generous church in America. Let this be called in the heavens, in the annals of heaven, a church that gave its all, a church filled with people who gave their all to the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're somebody who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If you want to be saved, that means you need to receive Christ. He died on the cross for your sins. He took upon himself your sin and your guilt. And that if you believe in him, you will not die in your sins. You will not waste your life here. The first step in living a generous life, the first step in living a truly purposeful, meaningful, significant, blessed life is to start off by giving your life to Jesus and living a life worthy of the calling of Christ. If you want to receive Christ, the Bible tells us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you confess that Jesus is your Lord, your master, your king, well, you could be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to receive Christ, then say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins, for taking my sins upon yourself on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so that my blood doesn't have to be shed in eternity. Thank you, God, that you so love the world that you gave Jesus. Come in my life, Jesus. Fill me with your power so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you made that decision just now, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I hope it's not just a decision. I hope you become a Christ follower. And in order to do that, you need a church, and you need people to help you who know better. It's almost like you're a baby that just was born, and you need parents to feed you, to clothe you, to take care of you, to clean you. So please let us know if you just received Christ. 
We don't want to abandon you as a newborn baby because chances are you may not make it. And so we have a lot of wisdom and ability and understanding how to nurture you in the faith. So please let us know how we can connect with you. This is Joseph Matera signing off. God bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.